This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Great to have you along. Libby is taking a long weekend. She will be back tomorrow. It's hard to believe there is still a misconception that COVID-19 is only an older person's virus. Listen to Toronto's mayor. John Tory says when he was at Trinity Bellwoods Park on Saturday evening, he was hearing from the young adults who are crowding unlawfully that the COVID-19 virus has nothing to do with them, that it's about old people. It was people who just seemed to say, this really isn't about us. It's about older people and it's about other people and it's not about us. And I was trying to explain to them that it actually was about them, that 27% of the cases of COVID-19 across the country so far have been in the age group uh, from 20 to 39. And so it's not about just older people. It's about older people and their particular vulnerability. John Tory says he was surprised that they had this misconception, which was their excuse for gathering en masse and not practicing physical distancing in large groups. But this is not true. We had two epidemiology experts on Fight Back last week who said if there is a second wave of COVID-19, it will be transmitted by young people, many of whom will have no symptoms. This is the first topic with our Zoomer squad who join us virtually as they do every Monday. Marissa Lennox, Chief Policy Officer at CARP, A New Vision of Aging. David Kravitz, VP at Zoomer Media. And Peter Mugridge, Senior Editor at Zoomer Magazine. Hello, squad. I'm here, Jane. Oh, hi. Hi, Peter. Hi, Jane. Hi, David. Hello. Hi, Hi, Marissa. Um, How surprised were you, Marissa, by the gathering at Trinity Bellwoods, along with that misconception? Shocked. I I, I couldn't even believe it when I woke up on on, uh, Sunday morning to those those videos and pictures. Um, You know, if you look at the rates of infection by age category, they are even across the board. But if you look at the death rates, yes, there's no question a majority are 60 and over, even more so over the age of 80. Now couple this, obviously, with rhetoric we've heard over the last few months that seniors are most vulnerable, and that's why you're seeing millennials ignore physical distancing restrictions. But, you know, what this age demographic doesn't appreciate is that these rules aren't just to protect them. They're to protect their parents and their grandparents. And, you know, there's a very real fear that in ignoring physical distancing measures, a larger percentage of younger people will test positive, will have symptoms, will end up in hospital. And before you know it, we have a situation like Italy on our hands. So there are a number of factors at play here. It's not just, okay, you think you're invincible. In fact, you're a massive part of the problem leading to deaths in older populations. And also, we need to make sure our hospitals aren't overcrowded. I would also say one additional point, Jane, you know, part of the problem, too, is a lack of design. When I saw I saw an image of a Brooklyn Park, I don't know, a week or two ago, and it had these almost like human parking spots. Mm-hmm. They were giant circles painted onto the grass for social distancing. Mm-hmm. If the city is going to open up parks, 
they should consider some of that design so that people know, okay, th- this is an appropriate way for me and my bubble group to stay together and in, in, in a safe distance. I mean, yes, what we saw over the weekend at Trinity Bellwoods was utter chaos. It, it absolutely was utter chaos. And I, and I was wondering to myself, are these young adults, David, uh, do... Are they living in Toronto on their own? Do they, you know, they they have any contact whatsoever in their homes with older people, their parents, their grandparents? I'm thinking not, if they're using that as an excuse. Well, I, um, I, I, I'm going to be a little bit of a, I'm going to take a go out on a limb and get, risk getting my head handed to me here. But I think what you saw, I'm equally shocked as Marissa by the irresponsibility toward the risk of infecting older people. But I'm not at all shocked by younger people thinking it's got nothing to do with them because the communications about this pandemic, when we look back on it, have been completely inconsistent and chaotic. Mm -hmm. To say it's about me, what does that mean? I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it and be asymptomatic. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get it and it won't really matter. It won't be any worse than a cold. I'm going to get it and die from it. Those definitions have changed hourly. The CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, back in March was saying 3.4% of the people who get it are going to die, case fatality rate. And last week they said 0.4%. That's like a hundredfold decrease in the number of fatalities and mostly congregated in nursing homes and among older people. So it's rational for a younger person to say, I'm not saying it's responsible, I'm saying it's rational to say, hey, you know, I'm not going to die from this thing because the, the story keeps changing and it keeps getting less and less onerous if you're a younger person and, as opposed to a senior living in a nursing home. So if we keep changing the messaging every two days, and the numbers are so fluid, why would we be shocked that the uh, people draw these conclusions? Or, I, or I'm, I'm wondering... At all. I'm not surprised at all. I'm wondering, Peter, if it was just an excuse, you know, well, by, by these yahoos, to use a term <laughs> that Premier Doug Ford has used, as a way for not taking ownership or breaking the rules. Well, you know, um, again, I, Jane, I, I live down by Trinity Ballards, and I, I've, I've been out there a couple of times on the weekend. I went out a couple of times on the weekend. And the, the problem is, is you have millions of young people living in cramped condos downtown, and there's absolutely nowhere for them to go on a nice day. There's just there's no green space at all. And Trinity is is sort of central to this huge condo population, and that's all they have. There's nowhere else to go unless you're just going to be walking around on the roads, you know, on the sidewalks. There's nowhere else to go. So it was a nice day. They went there. They feel they're you know they're. Uh, invulnerable because they you know very few of them are dying from this disease and you know it, it, it may have been irresponsible but it, it's entirely understandable for a 20 year old to think that way but peter um mayor tory was saying that there was lots of extra room that they all seemed to congregate mm-hmm. in this one portion of the park but that there were areas where there weren't people is that well you know the the areas that there aren't people there's no grass either because the dogs have sort of ripped it all away so like there's no they the, the people were congregating on the areas where you know, you can sit on the grass under trees and enjoy enjoy a day. Like the the uh, you know the mayor has been he's been very 
adamant about all this, and then we have him going down there without a mask on mm-hmm. or wearing it loosely, and still, you know, e- even he can't abide by whatever the rules are that day. Well, he know? says that he was trying to talk with the mask on, and they couldn't understand him because it was loud, uh, so he pulled it down. I mean, I can kind of see that the mayor was in that position where he wanted to be heard, and there's chaos all around him, so I don't really blame him for that, but mm. the photo op was not good, was it, It, was, it wasn't good, no. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, I mean, this is this. You know, there is an opportunity here for some force. You know, it, it's possible for the city to open parks in a safe way, and maybe there are different designs they can consider so that people can maintain that physical distance. But I would also no, say there's no room down there. There's there's no part. That's the only park for about a million people, and and you know you can put in these physical distancing places, but then there'll be no one. There'll be nowhere to sit. You know. So, no, you so sit in the, you point, sit in you the giant sort circles. Of... Look at the images from the Brooklyn. But look, the other thing I, that I think is, is, is relevant to this discussion is the fact that, you know, it is virtually impossible to design a plan to bring people back to work when thousands are outside gathering like this on weekends. So I think we really need to choose our risks wisely, and getting back to work safely ought to be the priority. We're with the Zoomer squad, Marissa Lennox, David Kravitz, and Peter Mugridge. Uh, Some of our Zoomer radio listeners want to get in on this conversation as well. 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Let's go to Betty and Barry. Betty, what are your thoughts on this whole Trinity Bellwood thing? Hello, Libby. It's Jane. Go ahead. I'll try to keep this brief. Uh-huh. I was upset with John Tory uh, a month ago when they allowed all those protesters to congregate at the Parliament buildings and did nothing about it. They allowed that to happen three weeks in a row, and then the bylaw officers left there and went to the parks and fined people for congregating. Now... John Tory lost it then. He should have done something, nipped it in the bud. The first time that happened at Queen's Park, and this wouldn't be happening now. Okay, Betty, thanks for your call. David, what about that, the reopening of the parks? We've gone from where people were allowed to just pass through to being people being allowed to congregate. Has this I, been done in the best possible way? Well, I think that, I don't know if it's been done the best possible way, but I think Peter made a very important point about the great differences in what these parks are. Uh, I have a uh, an adult son who lives along the lake shore, he, he went out walking on the weekend. He could go for miles and miles along the lake with the, probably the same number of people that were in Trinity Bellwoods Park, young people, same condo-type uh, environment, but they've got the room. And he, he reported on literally thousands of people, but everybody was spaced out. Mm-hmm. Everybody was walking comfortably. Everybody knew kind of what to do because they had the room. Um, so I think that it's a question of, uh, it's so localized, what have you got, where have you got it, who's going there, what do you expect them to do, and you're not going to have uniformity across uh, the city. But if, you, if you're in your 20s and your, your goal is to be with uh, people your own age and drink excessively, which is what uh, the police yes. chief said yes. was happening, I mean, they could easily have walked south down to the lakeshore if they'd wanted to walk or be outside uh, between Windermere and Stadium Road, which was closed off to traffic. So 
it does seem like uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it does seem like Mayor Tory and his staff are trying to find places for people to walk to be because it's only going to get worse. I mean, the weather is going to get better, so the situation potentially could get worse. It could get worse. Yes, and, and, and it, it kind of shows very, that it, they have a lot of variety to manage. Yeah, Sorry, and, and and when you have so many people, uh, like he he's allowed all these condos to go up downtown, so you have this huge mass of people downtown and nowhere to put them. Um, you know, he's got he's got a big uh, a big task to figure out here. Right, you know, and I mean, he can't, he can't say on one hand, don't congregate, and then on you know you know, open up roads where you're just going to be walking. You know, people want to sit. They want to sit under a tree. They were, you know, like he, it's just, he, well, he says, here's the thing, Peter, people also want to go go. and sit on a patio at a bar, but they can't do that because it's in the middle of the pandemic. Right. Right. So there are countries where people are taking this seriously. And what we saw happen in Toronto was a pretty clear indication that millennials aren't taking it seriously. And there are a number of factors, including the rhetoric that we've just been, you know, saying over the course of the last two months that seniors are vulnerable and no one else is. I mean, that's what people hear. Well, you know, I have to tell you, I mean, in terms of of reaction uh, late on Saturday and Sunday morning, uh, you know, there's not too much that that phases me with uh, having covered the news for as long as I have. But I felt really personally upset because here my my children are in their 20s and they've been very responsible. They live on their own and I can see them taking it very seriously. I haven't been able to hug my adult children since the middle of March. And I was really ticked off. I thought, How, why do I I'm following the rules? I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm not going and getting them. They're not in my car. I don't want them riding transit to come visit me. So unless I do a porch drop and talk to them two, three meters away from their front doors, I'm not seeing them. Why are these people being so irresponsible? It's like the story of the of the guy in, I can't remember which state, but somewhere in the U.S. was mocking physical distancing restrictions, hosted a, a COVID-19 party, and sure enough, ended up getting the coronavirus. So, yeah. you know, that's what's going to happen. I don't know what people think will happen, and I completely agree with you. It's frustrating when you're doing your part, but no yeah. one else seems to be. Exactly. But let's go to Bob. Let's, uh, guys, well, let's go to Bob in Etobicoke. Bob, go ahead. I, I happened to be sitting in the lineup going for the test. Not that I expect that I have it. Uh, no way, but there's a woman that lives in our building that I know quite well, and she wanted to take the test because of cough or whatever, just to pray sure, and they suggested that they want to keep the test lines busy. It is a long, long lineup. I'll tell you, it's just about two hours to get through it. But now the lineup is kind of dissipating. But what my view is, is that when they did the shutdown in the beginning, they should have shut all of it down, including grocery stores, liquor stores, and beer stores. So if you needed groceries, you would phone an order in. It would be put together and delivered so that you would not go into the stores and the people in the stores would not be going out to deliver. This is where I think people are getting it because, you know, you've got 400 people. Where did they get that from? They got it from grocery stores and beer stores, liquor stores, and lineups. I was in a lineup the other day at the, um, the Walmart store, and this is when it was maybe pretty bad. And there was a wind blowing, and the wind was blowing right down the line. So as I said to the guy, why do you line them people up here? Why don't you line them straight out this way where the wind blows across the line? Because there's anybody in the line, and you're with six feet away from somebody where the wind is blowing their 
exhaled air yes. right in your face. Right. And, so, and then, like, I can't understand. So the, they should have been closed, just like the Canadian tires were. You phone a Canadian tire, they have an order, you stay in your vehicle, they hand it to you through the window, they give you a debit machine, you hand it out, no contact whatsoever. That's what should have been done in the first two weeks. Okay, Bob, right I now. thank you. Thank you for okay. your call. You bring up a very good point, and it actually pivots us to another topic. I think we've uh, done Trinity Bellwoods, and certainly <laughs> if you want to talk about it again on Free For All Friday, or maybe it will come up as well this week. But, guys, there was a Toronto Star analysis this morning saying that new infections from outbreaks in seniors' homes and other institutional settings are down sharply since spiking in mid-April. Meanwhile, the number of new cases caught each day everywhere else remains high, near the highest levels the province has seen since the beginning of the pandemic. And the article says about 70% of new cases are now happening in the broader community. So to Bob and Etobicoke's point about that, we are if, if most of the spread is happening in the community and we're opening things up more, uh, David, what do you sort of see happening in terms of, of how we are acting amongst ourselves and what's and what's open i think if we if we feel that we're going to present we are going to prevent the spread of this by continuing these lockdowns uh, there are so many loopholes in that strategy both in the numbers we're using to make these decisions and in what's going to happen so for example 400 new cases well not really it's 400 new test results some of them are days old uh, your own news broadcast, our news broadcast at the top of the hour, Ontario is testing way below capacity. Mm-hmm. It's a mathematical certainty that the more tests you do, the more new cases you're going to turn up. But are they really new? Do they demonstrate that the thing is spreading, or is it just a function that you're finally getting around to testing more people? But the biggest one of all, the biggest problem of all here is that the case fatality rate, the rate of people who get the thing, who die from it, is orders of magnitude lower than the models that they use to create the strategy in the first place. And that's, I think, why you don't get this sense of urgency among young people. According to the Centers for Disease Control, the fatality rate among people under 50 who die from coronavirus is two-tenths of one percent. So is it a cold? Can you stop people from getting a cold? Uh, We don't know. I'm not not the doctor. I'm not saying this. I'm just saying that the numbers have been so loose and so all over the map and so uncertain. The model keeps changing so often. It's no surprise to me that people are... It's hard to get people to, you know, stay in stay in the discipline when um, the story keeps changing. I don't have any uh, expectations that they're going to be able to uh, shut down. And then the final point, and then I'll shut up, is that are we trying to prevent hospitals from being overrun? The original strategy was flatten the curve. Well, we flattened the curve a long time ago. The hospitals are are way under capacity. So isn't that a good reason to get back to it? Or now we seem to be saying, no, no, keep it down, keep it locked down, because we don't want any more infections. Well, is that really what we expect we can achieve at all okay. under any strategy? I'm, I'm dubious. Right. Peter, what are your thoughts on the, on the testing and the need to at least double it according to what the, the province wants to do? Well, I, I, again, like I, I, I'm sort of in David's camp here that 
um, testing will turn up more cases, but um, will it increase the number, uh, like the rate of cases? Like it, it's, it just seems to me to be this, this, um, you know, this mania to test all the time, test, 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 and and uh, you know we can go testing until we get a vaccine. And I just don't see what the end result is. And, you know, at some point we have to just say, look, there's this risky disease out there. Protect the people who need to be protected. People need, you know, we need the economy back in order. We have to somehow figure out, let's go back to how life was almost, you know, and and just deal with the cases that arise. Because we can't we can't sort of hide under a bubble for the rest of our lives you know there there are going to be outbreaks well, I think the, the thought is, uh, I was running an audio clip this morning in the news of a U of T epidemiologist who says the testing is important because then we can determine from which communities we're having outbreaks and then re- react accordingly. Marissa. Sure. I mean, I, I completely agree with testing. I, from the very beginning, we should have been testing more systematically, not just in the community, but also in long-term care homes for that matter. I think that you know, while I agree with David and Peter that we we need to get on with our lives, and and clearly there's there's a need to to start up the economy again. Um, that can't, you know, again going back to my to my point that I made earlier, we need to be balancing risks wisely. We need to choose those risks wisely. Getting back to work is a priority for sure, but it also comes with ensuring we are taking the necessary steps to make sure that people aren't putting themselves at great risk. And again, I understand younger people aren't necessarily um, as likely to die from COVID-19 as others, but it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's about doing our part. And again, when you keep yourself safe, then you know, you're also protecting your parents and your grandparents. Mm-hmm. So I think you know, it's a measured approach. We can't just completely reopen the world and go back to how things used to be. It needs to be gradual. I know, but we have to accept as we go along that there are going to be cases. You know, there, there's going to be spikes. There's going to be outbreaks at, at clubs. There's going to be things like that. And we just have to accept that as, you know, as part of, of going forward. Okay, See, we, we, we can't eliminate it altogether. And that seems to be the... the the public uh, health officers want to eliminate it altogether. And, and I just don't see that as a possibility. Okay, Marissa, a quick rebuttal, then we'll get back to the callers. No, I mean, this is the thing when I talk about a gradual reopening. I'm, I accept that clubs be shut down for the, next, for the foreseeable future. I think that that makes sense. People shouldn't be congregating in hot, sweaty settings at yeah. this time during a pandemic. Let's I mean, go this to, thing's real. Let's go to Jean in Mississauga. Hi, Jean. You're on with Zoomer Radio's Jane Brown yeah. and our Zoomer squad, Marissa Lennox, David Kravitz, and Peter Mugridge. Go ahead. The point I want to make is uh, Harper keeps, um, or Ford, I mean, keeps harping on the fact that we, the, the testing's not getting done. People, please go, please go. Nowhere have I seen where, where it's advertised where the testing centers are. Well, I think we're going to be getting some more information about that, David, uh, even as soon as 1 o'clock this afternoon. You're asking me? Yeah, I'm asking you. I mean, in terms of this is what the Premier's yes. been saying, that they're been going saying to that, yes. they're going to open up the testing. And uh, because the, I guess the complaint is, well, where do I go for these tests? I think that's right. it's going to become but, more but clear. But remember... Peter made a good point. It's a mathematical certainty 
mathematical certainty that the more tests you do, the more cases you're going to turn up because the antibodies are going to be even inside people who were asymptomatic who are going to say, hey, you had COVID, you didn't even know it. So I think it's good, and I think Marissa made the key point here. It's not so much, aha, what's the number? It's more tests tell us where is the number, where is there something a little bit outside of the norm, where should we move in and try to treat this? And I, and I really think the key here will be to move from a, a prevent all infection whatsoever, no matter the cost, because that is unsustainable and unaffordable, okay. to zero in where it's serious, get treatment in place where it's serious, save the lives that are most at risk. We never would close down the economy. If we'd started this on day one and someone had said the fatality rate is going to be two-tenths of one percent, do you think people would have been happy to see the entire economy shut down? And yet that's the fatality rate among young people. Meanwhile, we had a lose-lose. We didn't protect the most vulnerable people, the seniors, who represented 80 percent of the death. And we obsessed over avoiding infection in young people who are at no substantial risk in the first place. So congratulations, we got the worst of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it in a nutshell. Sorry, but <laughs> yeah. that's it. I'm yeah. sorry, but that's the reality. Let's go to Dennis in Brampton. Dennis, hi, you're on Fight Back. Thanks for taking my call. I, I think that uh, the Premier has done an excellent job to date in terms of managing uh, the pandemic here in Ontario. The weakness is in the area of testing. And it, it would appear that despite the Premier's urgings, there, there is some lack of will or incompetence within the government structure itself. And I hearken back to when they came into power that the existing healthcare organization structure was blown up, basically abandoned, with the idea that we would put some new, something new in its place. That was only partially completed uh, when all of this broke loose. So notwithstanding the Premier's urgings, um, not, the testing is abominable here in Ontario. And I'm hoping that it gets fixed sooner rather than later, because without that, uh, we're not going to be able to open up quite the way that we would all like to. Dennis, uh, would, you, uh, would you be quick to go out and get a test done without symptoms? Uh, if that's what it takes, and I'm, I'm 74, so if that's what it takes, I'll do it. If that, yeah, I'm thinking the same thing myself, that, you know, once once I kind of figure out where I should be going that's closest to my home, that why not, right? Precisely. Yeah. All right, time for final thoughts uh, with our Zoomer squad. Marissa, you're up first. Well, um, I guess, I, you know, my final thought would be to just urge the millennials to take this seriously. You know, uh, when I leave my home, um, particularly if I'm going into a grocery store or, or meeting with others, you know, I've, I ha- I'm, I've got my hand sanitizer, I have my mask, and I continue to do my part because it's what's in the best interest of older adults. And so I'd urge others to do the same. And David, David Kravitz. I, I completely agree. I, I, I may have sounded a little harsh on all the uh, uh, the numbers here, which I, I maintain are a real problem because we have the goalposts are shifting constantly. But it is irresponsible, knowing that there's a public safety regimen in place, to willfully and unnecessarily ignore it. 
and the time to debate how we get back to work, what do we do, uh, what are the details, and above all, what I'm worried most about is losing sight of what's going on in these seniors' homes and making sure that they are still protected. Um, and I think that's where we're going to uh, have to keep our focus. And Peter Mugridge. Yeah, I, I would, you know, I, I would say millennials, you know, take note from what Tory said and, and try to abide by the rules. But, it, we, you know, we also have to have an understanding of human nature here and um, just understand that 20-year-olds do things that, don't please 50-year-olds, but they're going to do them anyway and just do <laughs> right. them in as safe a way as possible. Well, I, I can I can bet that there will be far more bylaw officers out at the start right. of every Saturday at Trinity right. Bellwoods yeah. from now on. Right. All right, team. <laughs> team Zoomer squad, we will uh, speak with you again next Monday. Thanks, Jane. Okay, thanks, Thanks, Jane. guys. Goodbye, always, everybody. Always entertaining and informative. Marissa Lennox, David Kravitz, and Peter Mugridge. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.